All right, last week we spoke to you from Luke's Gospel, the second chapter, and it was read this morning by the Tatum so wonderfully in our Advent time. Today, I'm going to have you return to Luke's detailed narrative on the birth of Christ, but I'm going to go from the first chapter of Luke. So in your Bibles, if you will turn to Luke chapter 1, we're going to begin with verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Luke 1, 26, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The vir- Notice the order that we get this information. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, I understand that most of us have read this passage or had it read to us since childhood. But something, you know, a, a pastor gets up every year and Christmas comes around. I don't know if you notice, comes around every year. We preach on the, and, and it hasn't, the story hasn't changed. We preach on the same material uh, from Scripture every year. So a pastor was going to do what hopefully I did this, this week and in preparation for today is you look, is there anything I've missed? Is there anything that my eyes would see today that I've not seen before? And something did strike me. It strikes me a bit odd how Mary is so specifically characterized in this. It's almost like saying, uh, uh, the preacher's name was Dan. The musician's name was Brent. The bald guy's name was Josh. Um, and when I, a moment ago, when I told you to take note of the order in which this information comes to us, notice this, before we even know her name, we learn first that Mary was a virgin, to a virgin, a spouse. Before we even know her name, we know something about her. You know, uh, the Bible does this ever so often. It refers to, it gives characterizations, it gives descriptions. It refers to King David uh, as a man who was dark and handsome, okay? It even said in 1 Samuel 16 that he had beautiful eyes. You ladies will love that. And who knows why the Scripture wants us to know these things, but quite often it it does give us descriptions of people. Uh, King Saul was said to be head and shoulders tall above everyone else. When you look at the story of Rachel and Leah, Rachel was described as having a lovely figure and a beautiful face. Hallelujah. When it came to Leah, the Bible says there was no sparkle in her eyes and said she had weak eyes. Bless her heart. Now, when the Bible gives us these descriptions and characteristics of people, you'll find that most always there's something, uh, that information is going to play some kind of role in the story. So this year, as I once again read through Luke's account of the birth of Christ, I noticed that before we're ever even given her name, the Bible tells us that Mary was a virgin. So, if I were to ask the uncomfortable question this morning, what does it mean to be a virgin? You might get uncomfortable for a moment. You might question the sanity of this pastor. You might feel a bit awkward for just a moment. But to that question, here is my answer. It is this. It simply means there is something you have never done before. That's what it means. The more I look through this story, the more I read this story, the more I see in it 
that I am Mary and you are Mary in just about every aspect of my life. Anytime God has called me to do something, anytime he has put me in a position that has stretched me, anytime God has called me to do something bold, if not outrageous, anytime God has called me to do something that is beyond my capability, I realize that in a sense, I am a virgin. It's something I have never done before. There was a time in my life when I had not been a senior pastor. I had not been a lead pastor. I've been in ministry for the last 100 years. But it feels like that on some days. But being a lead pastor was new for me nine and a half years ago in, in this house. It was something I had never done before. And every time God takes me to a deeper level in Him, hear me today, every time God takes me to a deeper level in Him, I realize every time I've never done this before. And then in unusual ways, I begin to realize that more and more, I have become like Mary, particularly as I realized that God had set Mary apart. In many ways in my life, God has set me apart just as he has done the same for you. He sets us apart, and he does things in and through us according to his purpose, just as Mary had been set apart. She was placed on a journey, like you and I are on a journey. But since her experience was long before ours, it makes me just wonder what Mary might say to us today about the journey, about the journey of faith and how to live. And in your mind's eye today, here's what I'm asking. Can you imagine Mary sitting across the table from you, maybe at Starbucks or maybe in your dining room or in your home somewhere, and looking you deep in the eye and having some really important things to say to you. Mary is what I'm talking about. What if she were in your house today or you were at a coffee shop with her and she was looking almost through you, wanting to communicate something to you? Would you listen? I'm calling this message a conversation with Mary because I want to show you several things that I think possibly Mary is saying to all of us today. As I have considered, what would Mary say to us today about the journey of life and walking with God? Let's look at the first thing. Verse 28 and 29. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary's response. Mary was greatly troubled at, this, at his words and Wondered, what do you want? It says a little bit different in the King James. Wonder what kind of greeting this might be. What the angel actually said to her was really good news. And Mary's response after she heard that was something like this. Huh, this is not good. Does that seem odd to you? Well, you've had the same thing happen to you. It's that moment when your teenager walks into the room and says, Dad, I just love you. You're the best dad on the wor in the world, ever. No one's ever been a dad like you. Theoretically, what they're saying to you is good news, right? But what's your response, dad? This is not good. What do you want? Or it's like 
when I was walking down the corridor of the mall here some time ago, making sure I did not make eye contact with those people who run those kiosks in the middle of the, uh, in the, middle of the mall. I try to walk as close to the wall as I, as I can, and I'm walking with purpose, walking straight ahead. Because, you know, if you don't watch it, they will put something in your hand before you know it. So I'm walking down the hall. I'm minding my own business. I'm not making eye contact, walking with purpose, and a grown man hollers me at me and says, Sir, you have very nice skin. <laughs> Theoretically, what he was saying was good news, right? But my internal response was, this is not good. And I kept walking. And that's exactly what happened to Mary. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at that. I think if Mary were sitting across the table from you today, looking deep in your eyes, the first thing she would say to you is this. God's calling for you will always cause a wondering in you. God's calling for you will always cause a wondering in you. When you've heard some kind of internal nudging, have you ever wondered, was that God speaking to me? Was that just indigestion? Is it, did I just have a... But you're feeling this nudge inside. Is, is that God? Well, let me tell you, one of the best ways for you to know that it's truly God speaking to you will be this. Whatever is being spoken to you, you will know it's God when you realize, I could never do this, never ever do this without God. It's one of the ways you'll know. Typically, you will find that God's favor, which is what is being given to Mary, is there for a purpose, and it is to push you deeper into your faith. Now, we all love to talk about the favor of God. We tend to think of it and talk about it in terms of getting the parking place that's really close to the door, and well, we've got God's favor today. Well, can I just tell you, God's favor is much more than just getting the desired parking place at the store. So Mary is told that she is highly favored and her response was to be, hmm, questioning about it. Verse 30, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found, here it is again, you have found favor with God. Well, let's understand the root of this word favor in the Greek. When you dig around in it, you find out this, it means this, the, the favor means the token or proof of grace, the proof of God's grace, unmerited divine grace. Notice that in the definition that I find about the word favor, it does not include, it doesn't say anything about wealth, doesn't say anything about money, doesn't say anything about fame, it says nothing about I'm better than everybody else, doesn't say I've got a leg up on everybody else. It has nothing to do with anything glamorous at all. But in this word favor, we see all the shades of it being an element of grace. Say grace. And I think the second thing, Mary might be looking at you across the table and saying this, you know what? I was told I had favor with God, but here's what I found out. God's favor is less about glamour and fame, and it is much more about grace and faith. That's what favor is. The angel is not coming to Mary indicating that all of her problems are over. No, Mary is being challenged with something that is bigger than she is, 
that probably scares her to death. And it is that for which she is going to need unmerited grace and favor to get through. And this is what happens when God comes to challenge us with the next point of our life. I'm talking to somebody today, I don't know who. Some of you are facing looking at the next point of your life, the next season of your life, as you are rounding the corner at the end of this year, the beginning of 2021. And when you come to that point, yes, it's overwhelming. Yes, it's intimidating. And it has the potential of being both thrilling and terrifying at the same time. This odd tension of those two emotions. But when it is God who is challenging you, You need to remember this. He brings with that challenge the same word that he gave to Mary, which is this. You have found favor with God. I want you to say with me, I have found favor with God. Say it. Now, let's let's talk about it. It's not a guarantee that your path is going to be easy. It's not a guarantee that God's assignment to you from heaven is going to be without challenge. I could testify to that. It simply means that regardless how difficult it may get, he's giving you his supernatural grace. Say that, supernatural grace and his divine favor to get you through it. Somebody say hallelujah. Verse 31. This is the angel still talking to Mary. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Now, I'm sure most of us understand that conceiving is in the idea of reproducing. We know that. But let me present to you the idea that conception doesn't happen when the seed is implanted. Conception happens when the seed is accepted or received. Notice the scripture said, Mary, you will conceive. You will play a part in this calling. You will have significant responsibility in this endeavor. The Greek word for conceive, when you, when you look into it deeply, is silumbano, silumbano, and it means this, to catch, to seize, to receive, to apprehend, It is when the womb accepts the seed. There is responsibility upon the one who's receiving. And the angel is essentially saying, there is going to be a seed presented to you, Mary. That's what the angel is saying. But you must sit on Bono. You must accept it whereupon you will conceive. Now, Bethesda, I ask you to apply this to that which God is calling you for this new year. Maybe it's a challenge, maybe it's a dream, maybe it's a vision, an intense desire, something stirring deep inside of you, and even if you don't know exactly what it is, you do know God's stirring something within me. For whatever reason, I feel something inside. You can sense it, and the Lord would say to you today, I'm going to provide the seed That's what you're feeling, but you have to receive it. So Mary received the seed in her womb. Then it grew, and then she gave birth to it. So it had to be received. Then it had to go through a season of growth and maturity and preparation, and then she had to deliver it. Why? So that the world could experience 
Jesus. And I ask you, how are you and I any different? How are you and I any different? We are Mary. All of us, we are Mary. God gives us a seed, a calling, a prompting, even a challenge. And you reach the point where you determine that you receive that seed. You apprehend, you seize it, you take hold of it. And the seed begins to grow within you and it matures and it prepares. And then it comes out of you as the birthing of a calling, a ministry, an anointing, a gifting. Why? There's a why to this. All so that you can bring the light of the world, King Jesus alone, to a lost, darkened, and fallen world. That's the purpose of God in your life. And if we were sitting across the table from Mary today, I think she might say this. You know what? The seed will be planted, but you have to take it. You have to make it grow and give birth to it. It's hard to talk about this idea of seed without mentioning the parable of the sower. You all, you all know it well. The sower went out and threw seed. Some of the seed fell on the path and the birds came along and, and snatched it and took it away. Some of the seed fell on rocky soil and it sprung up fast, but there were, was no root system and so it very quickly withered and died. Some of the seed fell among the weeds and the weeds grew up and choked it choked out the good seed, but some of the seed fell upon fertile soil and it grew up and produced a healthy crop. And in response to the disciples then questioning Jesus, because you know, often Jesus would give a parable and they'd have to walk away and they'd what did he say? And he'd have to explain it to them. It, they, it almost appears they were a little slow in catching on to certain things and he'd say, yes, let me tell you, this is the meaning of the parable. This is Jesus now telling his disciples after they've left the place where he's given the parable. Here's the meaning, guys. It's this. The seed is the word of God. And so anytime God challenges you, anytime God convicts you, anytime God gives you a calling or God gives you a vision, would you like to have another way to know whether or not it is God? It's this. By asking this question, anytime that has, you've been confronted in this way, does it go back to the word of God because the seed is always the word of God? It's exactly why the church has been relentless in these last two years and now in this third year in leading you through the reading of the entire Bible. We all need the word of God in us on a daily basis, and I'm sure you understand that. On the 3rd of January, we're going to begin the fifth of six books of the Immerse series, which will ultimately bring us by sometime later in the year to completion of the reading of the entire Word of God in about two and a half, two and three quarters years, something like that. The book we begin in January, as Dr. Marty mentioned, is called Poets. It can be purchased today at the end of the service in the West Lobby. You need to get in with us. I pray you'll stay with us on this incredible journey because the seed is what you, that you need is the Word of God. Somebody say amen. And then God will grow something in us so that we can then give birth to it to present to a lost and dying world. Verse 31, you will conceive, the angel says, and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. I find it interesting that God, through the angel, told Mary how to name the child. And it came with instructions. 
notice with me, that with her mouth, with her tongue, with her voice, she was to identify this child to the world. God was essentially telling Mary that the name which comes out of her mouth regarding that which which she was going to birth, what comes out of her mouth is going to matter. It matters. You will call his name Jesus. And I think that in our conversation with Mary, she might take another sip of coffee and she would look at you and say this, you know, God has already named your calling, but he wants to know what you'll name it. He already has intended things for you, but he wants to know how you identify it. For example, God has already called your children fruitful and blessed, but he wants to know what do you call them? Your job, God has already called that blessed, but he wants to know what do you you call it? And this may be a tough one. Did you know that God has already called your tithe his, according to Malachi? But he looks at you to ask you, what do you call it? Do you put the word mine or his? What about your health? The Bible says that you are healed, but he wants to know, what are you calling it today? And regarding your past, with all of its shame and guilt. Guess what? God has put a name on that. He calls it forgiven. But he wants to know, what are you calling it? You will call his name Jesus. God is always calling us his children, but he wants to know how we will identify ourselves. Verse 32. He will be great, and we be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So the angel looks at Mary and says, you will conceive, bring forth a son, and you will call him Jesus. When I read through it as many times as I did this week, I almost get the feeling that Mary got stuck in the conversation, like right there. We've all had it happen. Someone's telling us something, and giving you some information and somehow in the conversation of what they're telling you, there's some standout piece of information which captured your attention and the person went on talking but you stopped listening because you got stuck right there. You, they said that. And, and it's, it's because of the way she answers, Mary answers in a minute. I think she got stuck in the conversation. The, the, the angel gave some of the preliminary information or the basic, here's what's going to happen, and, and then went on to say, he will be great, and he will be called the son, and he will reign, and, and, and his kingdom will never end. But here's what, here's what Mary said. This is what I give you to substantiate my thought, that she got stuck in the conversation. It's almost like the angel kept talking. She couldn't hear it. Because all she can remember is the first piece of information because she says, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin, how can this be? What she was really saying, "How, how is this possible? I've never done that before. Now, if God has ever challenged you way beyond your comfort level, you'd say the same thing. How is it possible? I've never done that before. 
and I think Mary would say this to us, every time I told God that I never have, he showed me that he always will. As he challenges you to do things in 2021 that are far beyond your own capability of doing on your own, I want you to know, folks, you can rest assured in knowing that he has always given you the unmerited favor and his amazing grace to walk through it, whatever it is. Mary says, how, how is this possible? This, this, this can't be. How is this, how is this possible? I've never done that before. And the angel had an answer in verse 35. Oh, the angel said, oh, I'll tell you how it's possible. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That's how. That's how. That answers your question. You want to know how you're going to be able to lead, dear friend, in the way that you've never led before? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. You want to know how you'll be able to walk through a difficult time and a difficult season and and as you're looking into 2021 and it's looking daunting and, and maybe intimidating to you, you know how you're going to make it? Because the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. That's how you'll make it. In fact, that's the only way you will make it. And I think Mary would also say to us today, you know what? The most significant thing, the most significant things that I ever did weren't weren't really done by me. Why? Because the Holy Spirit came upon me, she says. Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. What does overshadow mean? Well, it means that when I approach something that is smaller in stature than I am, I can overshadow it. If there is a light behind me, when I step in front of the light, my shadow overshadows the smaller thing. Mary asked, how will these things be? The angel said, because the power of the the Most High will overshadow you. Excuse me. The power of the Most High will overshadow you because his shadow is bigger than yours. I said his shadow is bigger than yours. It covers you. Simply means he's bigger than you. He's way bigger than you are. And I think Mary would also say to us today, in living out the calling God has for you, God's glory should always overshadow yours. Always overshadow. Because his power is greater. He's stronger. His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. And if it had not been for him, you would have never been able to do it in the first place, dear friend. The only reason you can lead, the only reason you can raise those kids, the only reason you got a promotion, the only reason you were capable of doing anything on this planet is because the Holy Spirit came upon you and the power of the Most High overshadowed you. Somebody say, bless the Lord. So the message in that is don't get too big for your britches. And when this part of the story comes to an end, we see Mary saying this. I'm going to give it to you from the message. I don't often 
read from that, but I found it particularly intriguing. <clears throat> Mary said, I'm bursting with good news. I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. God took one look at me, and look what happened. I'm the most fortunate woman on earth. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. The God whose very name is holy, set apart from all others, his mercy flows in wave after wave on those who are in awe before him. He bared his arm and showed his strength. Look at how Mary processed this church. We started the chapter with her being troubled at the presence and even the message of the angel. But by the end of this encounter, she's excited. And one of the standouts for me is when she said, I'm the most fortunate woman on earth because what God has done for me will never, ever be forgotten. Now that presents a challenge to me. How many things have I done that will never, ever be forgotten. You can take the accomplishments of every famous record-setting athlete. You can consider the greatest performances of the finest world-class musicians. And the day will come when they will be forgotten. Everything on this earth, folks, is temporal. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away. It's all temporary. How many things are we doing in our lives whereby we can declare what Mary said? What God has done in me will never be forgotten. I don't know if that's a challenge to you. It's a challenge to me. And the only way to get to that place in our lives is when we go from spending our efforts in doing things in the natural, doing things that are strictly for time and not for eternity, to things that are eternal. Like what, Pastor? Mentoring someone who's coming into a relationship with Jesus. You know something? That will never be forgotten. It has eternal implications. There are things that we can do in this earth which will never be forgotten. And I think Mary might be asking you today, what will remain forever? And what will be forgotten about your life? I think she would look at each of us straight in the eye and say, what? What are you doing that has eternity in view? Oh my goodness, church. Oh my goodness. We get so tunnel vision with the things of this. How do we sing it? The things of earth will go strangely dim. What is it, Paul? In the light of his glory and grace. The songwriter gave us that song to remind us that we are so earth-minded and I don't know about you, we're not all that far from our eternity, bless the name of Jesus. Because we hold within our hearts the blessed hope that he's coming again to capture his bride away. Somebody ought to say, bless God. What are you doing in your life that will never be forgotten? I close by taking you back in the chapter to verse 27. Kind of went back. and allows me to relate just a little bit more to Mary. And then we'll go in just a second. It says this. Now, the sentence starts in the previous verse, but I'm using verse 27. To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Get it? To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. At this moment in Scripture, 
right here, verse 27, we don't even know her name yet. We were about to learn it in the next sentence, but at that point, we didn't know her name. But what it says is that she was pledged to be married to Joseph. And I thought, so what's that say to me? Oh, you know what it says? It says that she had other plans. She had something else going on. And it struck me. There's me again. Yet another way that I'm just like Mary. That every single time God has challenged me with something or called me to something, I had other plans going on. Every time that nudge came within, every time that sense that God is speaking to me, God is filling my heart with something. The truth is, I had other plans. Lord, my, my plans, I'm gonna, I'll be the music pastor at Bethesda until Pastor Des retires, and then Becky and I will move to Nashville, and I'll work in the music industry. And Yeah, that's, that's a good plan, but not a good plan. God had other plans. Mary was pledged to be married. You know what that means? That means the plans were probably all in place. Dresses were picked out. Flowers were decided. Photographer was booked. Reception venue was booked. Everything was in place until she was interrupted and challenged to do something she had never done before. And regardless what your plans are, my plans are for 2021. Would you stand with me, please? I'm going to bring this to a close. Everyone remaining where you are, just stand with me, please. It seems to me that this challenge that we hear from Mary, it would behoove all of us to adopt the posture once again, really of just surrendering to lordship. Lord, I am yours. I declared a long time ago. I made the decision a long time ago. I'm yours to command where you lead me. I will go where you want me to go. I will do whatever it is you are calling me to do. Yes, God, I have plants, but if you want to interrupt them at any given time, have at it, because I'm yours. I made up my mind a long time ago. I have decided to follow Jesus, and there's no turning back. And I pray that every one of us would have the exact same response as Mary when she said, oh, it's a lot to take in. So be it unto me according to your word. And then if you'll note verse 38 of our passage, it tells us that when Mary uttered those words, I'm gonna put it this way. When Mary came to the point of surrendering, when Mary basically said, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, you can't say no, Lord. You can say no, you can't say no, Lord. Yes, be it unto me according to your word, because the response of my soul to you today is yes. That's when the angel departed the very moment she said yes to Jesus, the angel's job was finished at that moment. Bethesda, hear the word of the Lord. And the church said amen.